Welcome to Meaning Over Money, a different kind of financial podcast where money is never about money. Welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so excited to have you here. We hope you're having an awesome week. And regardless of when you listen to this, we hope it adds value to your journey. Now, there's a certain question that I get a lot. I get it at speaking events. I get it in my coaching. And we're starting to get it a lot on social media, mostly because we've been soliciting questions for future Q&A episodes. And this one's coming up a lot. And it's a really important topic. And so we thought, because we're getting it a lot and it's important, we thought, why not dedicate an entire episode to this one specific topic? And the question is, how do I get my spouse on board with this money stuff? And this is so, so vitally important. It's important because for the sake of our finances, but much, 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 much more importantly for the sake of our marriage. So we're going to start here. We're going to talk about those two. Why is this important for our, for our finances? And it's kind of obvious here, but when we're doing something together, me and my wife or you and your spouse, we're going to make more progress. We're both in unison fighting for the same thing. We're pursuing the same goal. And one plus one does not equal two. Often when in marriage, when we're pursuing something together in, in unity, one plus one is like three. One plus one is four. There's so much more power in it when we're doing it together. If you think about it, this makes sense. If, if there's one person that's pursuing a certain goal and the other partner is off doing something else that, that maybe is parallel to this or even on the opposite side, it's going to slow us down. They're going to hurt us along the way or we're going to hurt them. If they're pursuing a goal, we're pursuing a goal we're pulling both parties away from that goal. And so we're fighting in two different directions. It's vitally important that we have unity in how we're doing this money stuff and where we're trying to go. Now, there is no right or wrong in where we're supposed to go. We, it, what's important is that we're doing it together and that we have a unified vision and a unified goal. And so that's the mathematical version, but the relational version is so much deeper. When we're not on the same page with money, it can cause tension and guilt, resentment, anger, so many things. And I always say money is never about money. It's always about something bigger. And when we have tension in our money, we seem to have tension everywhere. We have tension in our jobs. We have tension in our parenting. We have tension in our serving. We have tension in our church. We have tension in our sex lives. We have tension everywhere. The money stuff leaks into everything. And it's not because money is so important. It's just the reality. When we have tension in our money, it just leaks out everywhere. And everything feels a bit gross. When we're struggling, we feel the burden of the financial stuff. So being on the same page is so vitally important because we don't, we we deserve better than to have stress in all these different areas. We deserve better than to be mad at each other over money or to feel stressed or to feel scared or to feel resentful or to feel guilty. We deserve so much more. And when we can find that unity in marriage, it is so unbelievably powerful. When you accomplish a big financial goal together, it's not really about money. 
It's about the fact that you did it together. And I think about this a lot. When my wife and I, my wife Sarah and I, we were paying off our 236000 of debt. Yeah, almost a quarter million. That sucked. Four and a half years. The interesting thing that happened along the way is when we got done with that and we succeeded and we looked back, it was kind of like we climbed this mountain and we got to the top, we looked back down and thought, holy cow, how did we do that? And what it did is it affirmed deeply in us that we can do anything together. That anything that's important to us, we will do it together with unity and we will make it happen. And in a lot of ways, it set the tone for our marriage. And by the way, it was the beginning of our marriage. We started getting out of debt right before marriage and we got out four plus years after we got married. So it set the tone for us where we can do anything together. Now, we have other issues in our marriage, but this was a unifying thing for us so that when we accomplish this financial goal and other goals since, it brings unity to us. Not because we care about money, but because we have unity in the vision and the dream and we do it together. And when we win at any of them, it reaffirms we're a good team. We can be a good team. So when life kicks us in the face, and life has kicked us in the face lots of times, We've had a lot of trying times. When that happens, we can look back at some of this stuff and say, yeah, but we can do this together. Now, a lot of our audience is younger. We have a younger adult audience. And so for many of you, you aren't married yet. You're not married. And so you, you don't have this issue yet, but this is actually such a cool opportunity for you. And I have a client, um, young female client, who asked me this question in one of our coaching meetings. And she says, Travis, what if I meet somebody that has debt? Now, this young female client, she had no debt. I mean, she was killing it. She was doing such a good job. And she wanted to be a good steward. She wanted to honor God in her, in her money. And she wanted to, to have a, a solid financial foundation. And so she was legitimately concerned. Travis, what if I meet somebody that has a lot of debt? And my answer was, well, considering 80% of Americans are in debt, you probably will. You just probably will. There's a high likelihood if you're single today and you meet somebody that they have debt. And I went on, I was half joking with her and I said, but, but knowing you, ironically, it's probably going to be somebody with a ton of debt. And it's funny, not that long after that conversation, she met somebody. And this somebody has a lot of debt. Uh, mostly attributable to a very specialized education that he has. So what I told her in that conversation, though, that original conversation, I said, you will probably meet somebody with debt. I said, the debt isn't the problem. I said, it's the perspective of the debt that matters. And I said, and I said here's my example. Here's my two comparisons. I said, I would much rather you be with somebody that has a lot of debt that deeply hates the debt and wants to be out of debt. Much more than going, going and meeting somebody that has very little or no debt that has a total indifference towards debt. I said, in the short term, it's going to be more painful to be with somebody that has a lot of debt, but life is long. And if you meet somebody that's aligned with you in terms of your values and your, and your desire to live a debt-free life, it's going to be awesome. And so I would always focus on the perspective of the debt rather than the dollar amount 
of the debt. And like I already spoiled in the story, she did meet somebody with a lot of debt who hates the debt. And I've met with him. He is an awesome guy. I'm so happy for them. And now if they decide to get married, they're going to have a journey now on paying off all of this debt. But they have unity in that vision. They have unity. And so it's not about how much debt does he have. It's about what's the vision and are we going to do it together? Because that's so important. And so if, you, if you're dating somebody or you're, you're, you meet somebody, you know, you don't interview them on their financials. Like, don't, don't be weird about that. But the values are important. There's a lot of values that are important. Your faith is important. Your views on parenting, family, finances. Like, this stuff is important. Don't overlook it. Don't wait. Don't wait until right before you get married or after you get engaged. Like, don't do that. Talk about this stuff sooner. Again, don't be weird and nerdy about it. Like, that's not what we need to do. But, but talk about it. Make it, a, make it a thing. Normalize these conversations. Because when we marry somebody, we're marrying everything about them, including their finances, including their perspective on money. And so it's so important that we do have unity in the way that we approach finances. Now, we don't have to be like them. So, for example, we don't both have to be people that, that save a lot or both people that spend a lot. Most couples, I would say, mm, I would say 60 to 70% of couples I know, there's some level of opposite. There's a polarity to them. For example, my wife is a big spender. I'm not. I'm more of a, of a giver. Uh, I, I'm a saver. I'm a giver. And she's more of a spender. And we balance each other out. That is a healthy balance. And, and most of my clients are like that. They, one spouse falls on one side, one spouse falls on the other. So it's not about being just like your partner. It's about having a shared vision, shared values with them. So back to the original question. But what if I'm married and my spouse is not on the same page as me? First, I'm sorry. That is tough. And if we don't get on the same page, if we don't get on the same page with all this stuff, there's a chance this could really poison the marriage. Not because money is so important, but because it leaks into everything. And so there's a, there's a very real risk that if you're not on the same page with this money stuff, or, or worse, you're on opposite directions with this money stuff, that it could leak into a lot of, a lot of areas of life that, that are going to feel really gross. So... If you're not on the same page, here is my advice to you. This is the same advice I give to my clients. This is actually what I used to get my own wife on board. Because when my wife and I met, it's not that she wasn't against me, but I don't think she thought about it. I don't think she cared. She doesn't care about money. She always says she's allergic to numbers. She does not care about money whatsoever. And so these are the principles that I use to get her on the same page with me. And then together, we built the vision. Together, we built those goals. And so there's six things that we need to do that we can get our spouse on board, hopefully. It, it's not perfect. And, and sometimes we're not going to get there, unfortunately. But I really believe in these six things. If we follow this path, I really believe we can move, move the needle and get our spouse more on board. Number one, help them focus on the why instead of the what. The what is we're going to get out of debt. The what is we're going to fund our kids' college. The what is we're going to set money into an emergency fund. 
that's boring. Money's, money's boring to me, and I think it's boring to most people. That's, that's not exciting. That will not move the needle. When you are going through the drudgery of paying off debt month after painful month, the what is not enough. At some point, that other spouse who's not really into this is going to say, no, 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 forget this. I, am, I don't want to do this anymore. So instead, focus on the why. Why are we getting out of debt? Why are we funding our kids' college? Why are we putting an emergency fund in place? Why are we doing X, Y, Z? That's the important thing. So again, like I said, my wife does not care about money whatsoever. So when I was approaching her early in our relationship and as we were getting married, and then, you know, of course, you know, having that, the, the drastic job change and, and having all that debt, getting her on board to the, for the plan of paying off 236000 of debt, just saying we should get out of debt wasn't enough for her because it sucked. But here was the why. It took several conversations, but I got her why. Here's the, her number one why. She wanted to stay at home someday if we ever had babies. She deeply wanted to stay home and raise our kids. That was the number one. There wasn't even a close number two. That was her number one absolute goal in her dream in life, stay at home with babies. And so we talked about it. If we have debt, our bills are much higher. If we don't have debt our bills are much lower. That was the defining, the defining mark of whether we knew this could happen or not, of her staying at home with our babies. And so that was a huge motivation to her. It's amazing. And, and if you know my wife, you know, she can tell you some of the sacrifices she made, some of the, just the, the, the huge decisions that she had to make along the way to make this dream happen. Wow. She made some big time sacrifices. I'm so grateful for her and proud of her for that. But her others, she wanted to travel. She wanted to travel the world. She hadn't traveled that much. She wanted to travel the world. Being out of debt was going to help that happen. Accomplishing a few of these other goals was going to make that happen. That was a big why for her. And then the third one, this is a great story. I love this story. When her and I first decided to get out of debt, it was a weird time in our life. And, and we just had this conversation. I said, hey, Sarah, What's something down the road you want to do? What's a want that you have when all this stupid debt is paid off years from now? What's something you want to do? And she said, I just want to get my nails done. And that seems silly. You know, I was expecting her to say, well, I want to buy this mansion or I want to get this vehicle or I want to do X, Y, Z. I don't know. But she said, I just want to get my nails done. And uh, didn't really think anything of it many, many years later. So Four plus years later, we're on the precipice of paying off our debt. And I asked her the same question. I said, hey, Sarah, we're almost out of debt. I said, what's one want that's important to you once we pay off debt? And she said, Travis, I just want to get my nails done. And I thought that was so beautiful because, again, she's much humbler than I am in that regard. I thought she was going to say something big. I want to go travel the world or whatever. And she had the same answer as she did the first time. So at that moment, when we paid off that debt, she started getting her nails done every month. And that was just a small gesture to say, thank you. Thank you for, for being with me through this, sharing this journey with me because it sucked. And it's just a small way that we get to say, this was worth it. And so it wasn't a big thing, but it was a small thing that, that mattered to her. And by the way, 
Fast forward all those years when we did become parents, many years later, she got to stay home with them. And she's living her dream because we focused on the why and not on the what. And I'm so proud of her for that. Number two, we need to set clear goals with our spouse. We can't say we're trying to do X, Y, and Z, and this and that, and all these different things. It's going to get overwhelming. We need to keep it simple. What are we trying to accomplish? Because the other spouse, they might not care about money. And if they don't care a lot, you're not going to get them on board with a nine-point plan. It's just not going to happen. They, they don't want to think about money because, honestly, money's not that important. We need to be out there living a meaningful life. And so we need to keep it simple. So for us, we've kept it very simple. For four and a half years, we had one goal, pay off debt. And then after that, it was really, okay, let's get a down payment for a house. Let's save up for this house that we want to buy. And then we've had other goals along the way. We've always had very clear one or two things that were the most important thing, and we focused on those. Because she can wrap her head around that. She says, what, you know, what are we doing? Well, we're doing this. Okay, let's do this. So that was a big deal for us, keeping it simple. And that is the one thing that actually changes a lot of the, the relationships of the people that I coach. When you really focus and boil it down to one or two key things we're trying to accomplish, it's so much easier to get the other spouse on board because it's easy. Number three, we need to show them how important their role is in this journey. And, and this is a great example with my wife. When we started paying off debt, I was probably making 80% of the income in our family. And, and eventually it was, it was closer to 90 and then it became 100%. And so it's easy for, for a spouse like my wife or, or you know, many of the others I coach to think to themselves, well, my role doesn't matter here. I don't make a lot of money. But it does. It makes so much difference. It's not about how much money you make or don't make. That plays very little role. It's the mentality of, of how we handle money. And so my wife, she might not have contributed mathematically to the equation as much with, with our income, but her willingness to make sacrifices, her willingness to be intentional, her willingness to follow through with what we agree upon, it made all the difference in the world. There is zero way we could have gotten out of debt if it weren't for my wife. And I didn't say because of my wife's income. No, no. During that time, I think the most she probably made was 20, 25,000 a year. It wasn't about the income. It was about her perspective and her willingness to do what it takes with me to help us reach those goals. So don't ever let your spouse think that because they don't make a lot of money, their role isn't important. Their role is just as important as the person who makes all of the money. If you, if you, even if you're 100% income and 0% income from the other person, their role is so important. Do not let them overlook that. Number four, we need to help them take ownership of the process instead of forcing it upon them. I can tell you one thing that won't work. If I would have went to my wife and I would have said, hey, Sarah, this is what we're doing. Deal with it. No bueno. No way. She wouldn't have. She wouldn't have. She might have said she would, but she wouldn't have. She has to have ownership in that process. This can't be my dream. This can't be my goal. This can't be my vision. This has to be our vision. 
you and your spouse. It has to be your collective vision and they have to take ownership of, of their piece of it. Something beautiful happens when the other person takes ownership of the process, of the goal, of the vision. It changes everything because instead of them helping you pursue your goal, you are collectively pursuing your collective goal together. It changes everything. So make sure they take ownership of it. And if they don't take ownership, it's just not going to work. Number five, recognize their successes. Now, this one, this is a little bit of uh, me condemning myself. And if my wife listens to this, Sarah, you can call me out on this because you call me out in it, on it privately. So um, I do a bad job at this. It's easy to dwell on the mistakes that your spouse makes. This money stuff is easy for me. It's, it's what I do for a living. It's what I coach. It's how, what I speak about. It's what I write about. It's, it's something that is just, it's just natural for me, but not for my wife. And so she makes mistakes. Sometimes they're small mistakes. Sometimes they're large mistakes. And I am always quick to call her out on her mistakes. And it can cause tension. It does cause tension. It just does. So what I need to get better at and what everybody else needs to get better at is recognizing the successes. Because amidst all the mistakes, there are wins. There are amazing wins. My wife does great at so many of these things. And shame on me if I only point out the mistakes to her. And so as, as we're trying to get our, our partner on board, if we're beating them up for every mistake along the way, they're going to burn out. And I've burned my wife out over time on occasion from this because when she makes a mistake, I get frustrated, we get into a fight, and all it would take along, along there is for me to say, hey, baby, like, you've done such a good job on this and this and this and this and this. And I don't name that, but I should name it right there. And so, so it's so important. Let's recognize their successes. This isn't their specialty. This isn't what they want to do. They don't take enjoyment out of their money stuff. And so let's recognize the wins along the way. That will help keep them on board with the vision, the master plan. And number six, this is one I think gets overlooked a lot. We need to celebrate along the way. Some of this stuff can be a grind. You know, paying off 236000 in four and a half years, that's a grind. It's brutal. And everyone has their version of the grind. And sometimes along the way, we just get tired. And so don't, don't get so on a one-track mind that you just burn the other person out and they're just like, I'm out. Like, I can't do this anymore. Screw this. Like, we can't do that. So for us, what that looked like is, you know, once every so often, I could get the sense that one or both of us was getting tired. And I would say, how about we just pause this month? Let's set aside some money. Let's go have some fun. Let's go on a trip. Let's go, on, let's go out to some nice dinners. Let's go, let's go do this stuff to relax and enjoy some of what we've been blessed with. And we'll get back to paying off debt next month. We did that multiple times along the way. In fact, there was a trip to Europe in that, in that stretch. That four and a half year stretch paying off debt, we actually did a trip to Europe. And that was just a great restful experience 
where we recognize there's more than dollars and cents here. Paying off debt isn't the goal. The goal is to live a meaningful life. Paying off debt is one piece of that. And so if you get the sense that your partner is getting tired or run down from going on a particular financial journey, stop, celebrate the wins, rest, and then we move on. And I, I have clients that have had a lot of debt, and what they'll do is they'll say, every 25000 of debt, we're going to stop, we're going to go out to a really nice dinner, get a bottle of wine, we're going to celebrate, and back to it. And so celebrating along the way and then resting when you need to rest, they're so important because we don't want to let this take over our life because life is, is, is about so much more than this money stuff. So those are the six I, ho I hope these add value to you. I hope that you can use them to help get your spouse on board because when we do, when we can get our spouse on board, we can do anything. We can do absolutely anything. And so thank you all so much. If you want to reach us outside of the podcast, you can find us on Instagram. You can find me, Travis Shelton, on Instagram. Of course, we have the YouTube channel, the same name, Meaning Over Money. And we have our, our financial course for young adults where we teach you how to live for the meaning and not for the money. And that's at meaningover.money. And because you're a podcast listener, we want to give you a special deal. You can get 25% off all of our courses by using the promo code PODCAST25, PODCAST25. Thank you all so much. Take care, guys.